It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, which young Raptors are in line for the biggest leaps this season? What would a good rookie season look like for Grady Dick? And what would Precious Achua have to do to secure the bag beyond this season in Toronto? We'll get into all those questions and more on a mailbag extravaganza episode with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, July the 20th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join the Locked On Raptors Discord server, baby. The link is in the description. Come hang out. If the link is expired, shoot me a message on Twitter. I'll DM you the link as I've done with countless folks who have joined our wonderful little pleasant community. The reviews are rave about how just nice the Locked on Raptors Discord is, which is, uh, you know, it's like a little oasis of basketball talk away from the rest of the internet. Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. As always, you can support the show by subscribing, following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast apps for free. And we are also, of course, on YouTube. Go to the channel, hit the big red subscribe button, support the show, stroke my ego, all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated. All right. Let's get to it. On today's show, we got a loaded one for you as the folks stepped up in the Discord. I asked for mailbag questions and we got some bangers today. So we're going to run through as many as we can get through here on a Thursday. And uh, to do that with me is our pal Vivek Jacob, who is already wearing the uniform that he'll be wearing when we go watch the Blue Jays later this afternoon. Yay! Locked on <laughs> Raptors outing. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Uh, Big V, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Pretty good. Is this a company event? Does that mean uh, everything is uh, on you today? I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be uh, getting waters and uh, yeah, yeah. eat before you come. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, hopefully them scoring zero runs yesterday means they're due for some today. Uh, yeah, it feels <laughs> like uh, they could maybe try to beat the Padres. That would be fun. The Padres aren't very good, as it turns out, uh, despite being extremely expensive. <laughs> Sound like sound familiar to a basketball team you like? Uh, <laughs> let's yeah. uh, let's dive into our questions here, Big V. We got a lot. The listeners really came through with some good ones, and uh, there's lots of young player content in this one. Let's begin with this one from Barney Bass, who's a new addition to the Discord. We're loving having Barney in there. The most positive person in the Discord, I think. He's supplanted me uh, as the most positive person in the Discord. Which young player is taking the biggest steps this year? OG, Gary, Precious, Malachi, Scotty Barnes, or somebody else? Who you got as taking the biggest leap on the Raptors this year? 
year. I guess, like, relative to their current level of play, who's going to take the biggest jump? Is Scotty just kind of the chalk answer here? I think Scotty is the chalk answer. I think when you look at the way Darko has spoken about giving him more opportunities and getting him on the ball as much as possible, and mm-hmm. I also think in Scotty's case, uh, learning from his sophomore season and you know the things that did go wrong, I, I think that's going to help him out. And so... Uh, I am expecting a big bounce back season from Scotty, and with the opportunities, I would not be surprised. Uh, I, I frankly, I'd be surprised if he wasn't the guy that made the biggest jump among those young guys listed. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear he's going to have the opportunity. Darko Ryakovich can't stop talking about how much it's going to flow through Scotty. Look, I have had my misgivings about the idea of Scotty as like the point guard, just because I don't necessarily think he does point guard things just yet. And I think he affects the game very effectively, good good English, Sean, in all sorts of other places. And so I think it'd be a disservice to him to just have him be a pure point guard all the time. That said, the opportunity is going to be there. And if the conditioning is right, which I think was the big thing last year, right? He mentioned it at the end of the season. I think the Raptors, like Brass talked about it at the end of the year as well. He just didn't have the juice to go full bore for longer than 12-minute stretches. When he did that for 12-minute stretches, it was like, oh my god, the future is here. But it's got to be for longer than 12-minute stretches. If he can do that, if he can sustain his energy to kind of do the full effort Scotty Barnes thing where his like physical will overtakes games, then we're going to be in for a blast of a season watching Scotty Barnes. And, and I think just by virtue of being a very highly touted prospect going into his third year, you kind of anticipate a pretty big jump. I'm tempering expectations a little bit just because I think there's a long way for him to go as far as becoming like an on-ball creator for uh, you know large chunks of games. But there's going to be a lot of fun Scotty stuff this year. I think he's the right answer. I will also throw a little bit of love Christian Coloco's way, not included in this question, but I think Coloco stands a chance of being like an excellent, excellent upper tier defensive center and, you know, how the offense comes along. We'll see, you know, I think there's actually some potential of some really fun second units that, and really, I think there's a question about this later on we can get to, but some really fun second units that are, you know, going to be, I think Coloco anchored with, you know, Dennis Schroeder kind of running point. And then maybe you sprinkle in shooters, whether it's Grady Dick, Jalen McDaniels, if Precious Achua is firing away, that's great. Um, and then obviously you sprinkle in your OGs and your Gary Trents. And all of a sudden, you got some pretty fun little second units there that I think are going to allow Christian Coloco to really thrive. So he's sort of my under-the-radar pick for this question. Uh, let's go to this next question here. Uh, kind of tied into the Scotty Barnes of it all from Old Baller asking... Under the new coach, why would Scotty not flourish at point guard? He was a point guard in a Div 1 high-end high college team in all of his basketball life and won everywhere in that position. This, again, goes to my sort of uh, skepticism about Scotty Barnes as a full-time point guard. Uh, I'll throw this one to you. I have my thoughts. I've shared them a million times on the show. So I'll throw it to you. Why wouldn't it work for Scotty Barnes to be a point guard? What is preventing him potentially from being just, all right, roll it out. He's the point guard. He's going to bring it up. He's going to run the offense most of the time down the floor. Well, I think over the first two years of his career, I think there's been a gap between what he sees and how he operates in transition or even semi-transition versus a full half-court set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, you know, as you work him into just constantly having those half-court reps, I think that's where you might see uh, the most growing pains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think just on the whole, if you're thinking like numbers-wise, I could see him putting up you know, numbers that would say like, okay, yeah, this is a, a real step up from his sophomore season. Um, but will the efficiency be there? 
right? Yeah. And so I, I think um, whether it's, you know, working his way uh, as a ball handler into the post or just, you know, what type of steps has he made um, with his in-between game, with his mid-range, that type of thing. So the efficiency, I think, is going to be a big thing to measure uh, as far as his individual offense is concerned. And then I, I would not be surprised, again, if it's, if there are growing pains in specifically uh, running uh, a half court offense. Yeah, I think for me, it comes down to a couple things. I don't question his vision or his ability to survey the floor, get the ball where it needs to go. The dude is like a visionary passer. He's probably going to net out as one of the five to seven best passers in the NBA when he's at his peak. He's just that good. But what sets up those passes? It's space. It's making the defense have to make tough decisions. And right now, I don't really see him forcing tough decisions out of defenses because he's going to be pretty easy to switch on. He's not shown a great propensity for just blowing by guys in the past. He's more of this sort of bounding, large strides, physical sort of get your way to the bucket by force of will, less as far as like quick attack um, for step stuff, which can work. Like there's obviously, you know, he, he's been effective doing that. You know, ask Brooke Lopez in that crazy game where they came back late, how good Scotty Barnes can be just kind of chewing up space, getting into the teeth of the defense and scoring over some of the best rim protection alive but when you're running an offense there's got to be quick fire stuff right and I think his lack of pull-up shooting is the thing for me his lack of really any mid-range effectiveness last season entirely is a big red flag for me if you just go back and look like he fell off as a two-point scorer pretty significantly as a rookie he was at 54 percent last year as a two-point scorer 50.5 not great you know around the rim just fine he's around 70 percent he's going to score at the rim that's his thing he's got great touch but you go to the mid-range you know three to ten feet 44.8 percent down from 50 percent that floater range not so good 10 to 16 feet down to 29.7 percent from 39.8 as a rookie from 16 to three-point range 38 percent down to 37 percent a slight drop there and then obviously the three-point shot went from 30 percent as a rookie down to 28 in a, in a second year like those areas he's going to have to be able to burn defenses from right if there's a drop defense he's going to have to be able to use that mid-range and pull up and score if teams are coming up high he's going to have to be able to sort of get around those hedges and, and sort of get turn the corner get downhill if they're going under on screens he's going to have to be able to burn them by pulling up from three and I just don't think it's fair to ask him to have all of that in his bag right now. And what do all of the best point guards in the NBA these days have in their bag? It's pull-up three-point shooting. It's a massive thing. I've been hammering it since the Fred Van Vliet thing went down this summer. He took four and a half pull-up threes a game at nearly 34%. That is good. That is really important. And they've yet to sort of moneyball their way to replacing that missed, you know, those missed threes. And I don't think Scotty Barnes is going to be the guy to do that in year three. Maybe down the line that comes around. But that is my biggest hang-up is he feels like he's going to be pretty easy to defend for other defenses if he is being asked to run most possessions. We'll see. Maybe Darko Ryakovich gets creative and finds some fun stuff they can do. But um, that's my biggest concern right now is the lack of pull-up shooting because that is, you know, what took Kyle Lowry to the next level? Oh, he started canning pull-up threes from 30 feet away, and that totally changed the way defenses had to worry about him. The same thing applies. Maybe Scotty can get away with it a little bit more because he's six foot nine, and there's a little bit more uh, he can do just physically to kind of overcome the lack of shooting. But still, you got to be able to shoot if you're going to be a lead ball handler in the NBA in this day and age, unless you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. And we've seen the Bucks be more effective when he's not their lead ball handler. So there you go. 
Uh, we'll come back on the other side, Big V, getting to some more questions. we got a lot of questions about the young dudes still. Grady Dick, what would a good season look like for him in his rookie year? Precious Achua, can he secure the bag? We'll get into those questions and more in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, who are the number one sports book in all the land. you got to go check them out. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 and bonus bets win or lose that's 200 you can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run guess what i've said it before i'm not much of a sports better but i do like to dabble when i go to a game in person to jazz up the live experience and guess what going to a game in person today with our pal big v and i might throw a little money down on vlad guerrero jr first home run something like that why not have fun in the, in the ballpark that is a good way to go do it all in an app that's safe secure and super easy to use plus when you win you can get paid instantly there's no better place to bet on mlb than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get 200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of major league baseball and of locked on we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right, we continue on here. Big V, Vivek, Jake with Raptors.com. Along as we dig into your mailbag questions, this next one here comes from FCF12 in the Discord. What would a successful first year for Grady Dick look like in terms of his numbers? Points, minutes, rebounds, three-point and field goal percentage, etc., etc. Uh, Big V, what are you thinking here? What's the sort of bar for success as a rookie for Grady Dick? Is it even to do with numbers or more just sort of, is he at home? Does he look out of place on an NBA floor? What are your sort of projections here for Grady Dick as a rookie? I'll be honest. I, I think it's hard to really project right now because of the uncertainty mm -hmm. with the team. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think and I just mean that from a straight minute standpoint. Right. Yep. Like if Pascal gets moved, if there's say a, a Gary Trent Jr. deal that follows, then all of a sudden it, the dynamics of what you're looking for from Grady completely change. Right. Mm -hmm. As it stands, you're probably looking at him getting around, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes a game mm -hmm. um, and, you know, him just maximizing what he can do in those moments watching summer league. You know, you, you see, obviously, the ball handling needs work. You see, you know, operating under uh, pressure needs work. Um, and he he's talked about uh, his timing, uh, his pace, and, you know, in terms of, like, running off screens. And so he's going to learn that stuff, the physicality that comes with that stuff. Obviously, I think he's got to grow into an NBA body. He's got um, a good frame, and I have no doubt that he'll get there. But I think those are the things that maybe I'm going to, like, discount him in the, in the first year and no going in, those are going to be issues for him. Um, and then, you know, uh, just work at getting his shot off clean. Uh, I was really encouraged by the way he progressed over the course of summer league. Right. Mm -hmm. And he seems like a guy who learns quickly, who, who wants to, you know, keep out mistakes. He's not going to clean up everything, uh, in one game or, you know, over the course of five games, but to see that progression, like, okay, yeah, you can say, you know, when he was, uh, put under pressure, you know, handling the ball, you know, we, we kind of saw similar mistakes, whether it be game one, game three, or game five. 
Um, but at the same time, we saw a real progression with, with his individual offense. He seems mm-hmm. like a solid rebounder. Um, got a bit, a bit, a bit of nice playmaking to him as well uh, in terms of like finding the right pass. So um, he looks like a pretty well-rounded player, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'll be looking for in year one. Yeah, like I think. 15 to 20 minutes is really the sweet spot. You get him in there with second units largely, probably, just to sort of add a little bit extra space. I feel like if by the end of the year he starts to be sprinkled into more starter-heavy units, that's probably a sign that things are going quite well. And frankly, I think that's where he's going to be at his most useful, frankly, on this team, because the best players are also the most spacing-starved players on this roster. It's kind of a weird upside-down team that way. And if you can start sprinkling him in alongside your Scotties and Pascals and Yaks and stuff, I think that's where the sort of benefits of his spacing and the sort of way defenses have to stay glued to him because of the threat of him you know, catching it and putting it up at any given moment. I think that you know, if he can get into those lineups, I think that would be a, a pretty encouraging development. Um, as far as points and rebounds and stuff, yeah, I, I think it totally depends on the role. I think it depends on a lot of different factors. So I'm not going to like say he's got to have 10 points a game or he's a bum or anything like that. Um, if he doesn't have 10 points a game, he's a bum. Like, come on, 10 points? I could do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting a little high and mighty on my recent run of form and pickup, I guess. Um <laughs> Where I am the Grady Dick of Central Memorial uh, Rec Center in in, uh, in Hamilton, I got to say. Just moving around, never dribbling. When I do, it gets poked away and putting in the odd three here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good summation of what a successful rookie year would look like for Grady Dick. Let's go to the next question here from Skip to My Lou, who asks, where will precious stats need to be in order to warrant a mid-level size extension? Uh, another stats question, and I'm, again, I'm not totally sure the stats will tell the whole tale with Precious. Uh, one stat in particular might, but uh, I'm curious for you. What what do you think needs to happen here for Precious to be considered a part of the future plans for the Raptors after this season? A big year for Precious. I think the biggest thing is understanding when to rein it in, when to you know go full Precious. I, that's probably... Uh, the growth trajectory that I'm looking for, you know, we, we saw him kind of being allowed to paint outside the lines, if you will, um, his first season with the Raptors and that second half, uh, of 2021, 22 was just incredible, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's pulling up for three, uh, and knocking shots down like that, like that's a complete game changer, but I don't think that can be the expectation going into this year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think hopefully the biggest thing that'll happen for him is a consistency in role. Yes. And and that'll, you know, help him just sort of figure things out. So if that happens, the first thing you want to see is uh, be a great defender. Right. Mm-hmm. I think at his very best, uh, him alongside OG, like OG is obviously the best defender on the team, but Precious can be right there. I, I think his ceiling is that good and we've seen it when he's got assignments against Giannis or whoever it might be right Mm -hmm. so um I think that's the first thing you want to see and then offensively I think he's got to be very selective around the basket uh I don't think he has great hands great touch uh and so I, I think that's why he's been so inefficient um I think he probably has smaller hands than he'd like <laughs> uh, and so we see some of that Kwame Brown finishing um but uh you know, again, it all comes down to understanding when to, uh, you know, rein it in and understanding when, hey, it, it, it's all here for you to take over. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, honestly, if his stat line is in line with what he did in 21-22, I think that probably warrants, like, that mid-level size extension, right? Like, if he's at 9-7-1 and and he's hitting 36% of his two attempts from three a game, playing the defense that he plays, like, that's a player you're happy to have around. If he's shooting 27% from three, it gets a little more tricky. And so I think, really... The goal for him this year should just be to clear the bar in which your offense justifies your presence on the floor defensively for more than 20 minutes a night, right? Like, I think, and that shouldn't be, yeah, yeah, like his defense is so good. He is probably the best switch defender on the team. You know, OG obviously there too, but like, I feel very confident with Precious guarding anybody. It's kind of wild that they have two of the eight players alive who are actual one through five defenders. But I think Precious is that. Um, you know, he kind of, honestly, I think the best comparison for him, different sizes, but like Matisse Thibel is like a pretty close comparison where the defense is so undeniably excellent, but the offense is such, is like this big, giant question mark. But, you know, if he can just be okay on offense and not actively detract from what you're doing, he becomes a dude that you're just very happy to have around. And so um, the role thing, I think, is a really well-taken point. Like if they can just kind of stop having him try to play center because he can't do center things. He doesn't know how to set a screen to save his life. Uh, If they can just have him be, again, I'll say it again, big norm where you're standing in the corner, you're waiting for the the, the ball on the catch, and you are either taking a a quick three or you're using your incredible first step to get downhill and score. Uh, I, I think... That is kind of the dream scenario here for Precious this season. Um, you know, let him w- live that wing life, and I, I think we we could see a pretty clear, um, you know, future vision for what Precious can be for this team going down the line. I, I think they're going to give him a lot of runway because he's the exact type of player they really, really love in that front office. Um, tied into this question here, Big V, from Ben Chapman, what are the odds that one of Jalen McDaniels or Precious are in the starting five opening night of 2024-25? Get into the future here, baby. Wow. Uh, yeah, you don't even know really, what the starting lineup's going to be next season. So right. this is uh, like really <laughs> yeah, testing really, our clairvoyance. <laughs> yeah. In three months, we have no idea what the starting lineup's going to be. Um, but yeah, if you look ahead to 2024-25, I would expect Jakob Pertl to still be on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would expect Scotty Barnes to still be on the team. Mm-hmm. Um at least Dude. one of Pascal or OG, you'd think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that immediately kind of puts him up against it. And you mm-hmm. would think there's probably a clear, because of the spacing, mm-hmm. there's probably a clearer path to Grady being a starter before yes. practice. Um, and so I will say no. Yeah. It's what are the odds, not a yes or no question. If we're oh. being. <laughs> totally in line with the spirit of the question. No, zero percent. Uh, <laughs> like ten thousand um, yeah, to I'd one, or whatever like twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm pretty low on that too. You know, I, I think look, if Precious comes out and achieves big norm status and is shooting forty percent from three, and you can say, hey. He's just a big shooting guard, then maybe there, there's a way to do that. But yeah, with Scotty, with one of OG or Pascal, with Yak, I, I feel like it might be a bit of a stretch to have Precious in there. Um, you know, who knows what other deals are going to happen as well. You would assume if one of OG or Pascal is getting dealt, someone they get in that deal is going to figure into the starting five somewhere as well, whether it's, I don't know, AJ Griffin or Kobe Bufkin or Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly. 
Quentin Grimes, just kind of <laughs> speaking that one out there. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it'd be pretty surprising, I think, if either guy is in the starting five, but that's okay. Um, and, and, you know, hey, I'm very excited for Jalen McDaniels. I don't know if anybody else is, but I'm, uh, I'm very much on the Jalen train as well. I think he's going to be pretty effective. And frankly, there's a chance he steals Precious's minutes if Precious is not doing the things that we're talking about him needing to do this coming season. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, come back to the side, and we will get into the final handful of questions, Gary Trent Jr.'s future. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, unfortunately. We've got a couple other good ones, sort of more big picture, looking back in Raptors history. Uh, we'll save those, and we'll get to those another time. But we will get to the remaining questions we got time for in just one moment. Before we do that, just a reminder, go check out Lockdown Blue Jays. Craig Ballard doing a great job covering the Jays as they try to make a push here towards the trade deadline, the playoffs. They are reeling in the Orioles and the Rays day by day. It's very exciting stuff, and Craig's got the playoff push covered for you over on Lockdown Blue Jays, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, uh, just a reminder before we get into these final questions, tomorrow on the show... Michael Pina, our pal from The Ringer, is coming on the show, and we're talking all about Dame for Scotty, baby. Of course, if you didn't read his piece, Pitching Dame for Scotty as a trade last week at The Ringer, go do it. Prepare yourself for the pod. Uh, it's going to be really, really fun, and I uh, look forward to having our pal Mike on the show. He's uh, a long time, one of the very first guests on Lockdown Raptors, way, 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 way back in the day. He's gone on to far more success than, uh, <laughs> than I have. I'm glad he's going to keep on punching down and hanging out, but uh, we will have Michael on the show tomorrow to talk about the whole Dame for Scotty thing. Big V, question here from The Northness, asking, what are the odds Gary Trent Jr. actually actually gets an extension and stays with the Raptors? We did not talk about him in the starting lineup conversation for 24-25. Very possible he's in there as well, uh, cutting away at those chances for Precious to be there. Obviously, we got the reporting just after the the, the opt-in that the from Chris Haynes that the Raptors and Gary Trent Jr. were probably going to work on an extension. Nothing's come of that just yet. It's kind of, uh, you know, gone quiet. Where are you at with this Gary Trent Jr. thing? Do you think they get something done? Do you think they should try to get something done with GTJ? Uh, I think so. I, I think, mm -hmm. again, from an asset, asset management perspective, mm -hmm. <laughs> with the way uh, things played out uh, with Fred, you want to at least put yourself in position to recoup value down the mm -hmm. line. And so, uh, again, he's a young player. Uh, I think he, he does have uh room to grow uh he might have a definitive ceiling um uh, in terms of what we've seen defensively so uh that cap is going to be there but man beauty is in the eyes of the beholder uh, and so uh we've seen we've seen masai get uh, a lot of value for a lot of players over his tenure and so mm -hmm. i would be in favor of re-signing him um having a good shooter uh in the mix there's only so many of those on this roster uh and uh that way you know, you're not on pins and needles uh, going into the offseason. Yeah, uh, I'm going to invoke a dear friend of mine and yours, Terrence Ross. 
Uh, way back in was it 2016, he signed a three-year, 31 million, 31 and a half million dollar deal with the Raptors uh, as an extension. And at the time, it was like, really, Terrence Ross, 10 million bucks a year? Back when that seemed like a lot of money, uh, it's like the cap was the cap was like half what it is now. Um, I think it's kind of similar with Gary Trent Jr. Maybe he's not the perfect player maybe he's not someone you figure as a long-term starter on a great team maybe he is like obviously he's still 24 there's plenty of growth to be done there but that terrence ross contract ended up becoming a very tradable piece that got serge Ibaka in exchange for him in a first round pick and i think that's kind of the model you should probably try to follow here with gary Trent jr the raptors have a long history of taking care of their dudes especially when they're young and then figuring it out later. I would imagine that's what we'll probably see here with Gary. I would bet he gets an extension before the season starts so they don't go in with that hanging over their heads. And, you know, what what a heat check it would be, like the least justified heat check ever to go into the season with OG, Pascal, and Gary all as pending UFAs, being like, didn't work last year, but we can do it this time, <laughs> damn it. Uh, <laughs> boy, let's hope that's not the case. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty likely that we'll see Gary Trent Jr. get an extension here. Probably the most likely uh, at this point of those three guys to get one, I would say. Pascal should be the most likely, but it seems like they're maybe getting cold feet on that. Who's to say? We'll see. But yeah, I think it's going to happen at some point here. And I think that would be totally fine. You know, if it's 20 million bucks a year for a few years, that's basically like that Terrence Ross contract just seven years later. Let's uh, dig into this next question here from Matt T asking, are DeMar and Dwayne Casey's legacies in Toronto undervalued? Kyle deserves his status, status as the GROAT, but I wonder if we've forgotten how important DeMar and Dwayne were to building the most successful period in Raptors history. This is an interesting one, Big V. I feel like they get their flowers. Maybe DeMar gets a little bit of a of the short end of the stick because he was traded for Kawhi Leonard, who then put them over the top immediately. I have found myself a lot, though, since Nick Nurse got fired, and we kind of got the breadth of how disastrous this last year was in the Raptors' locker room, really gaining an appreciation for Dwayne Casey and his whole pound-the-rock ethos. That worked. Bring the boulder back. Uh, where are you at with uh, with Dwayne and DeMar and how they are revered or not in Raptors' history? So I, I agree with you. I definitely think there's something to the way things played out with Nick Nurse increasing the appreciation for uh, Casey um, and even DeMar for that matter as mm -hmm. leaders, as, uh, you know, culture builders. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone who is even a half reasonable Raptors fan that doesn't look <laughs> at DeMar and Casey and that We the North era and think of them as like huge parts of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like right mm -hmm. from the I got us tweet um, and right from the very beginning that Dwayne Casey came in and was like, Hey, this is going to be the culture defense first. And you slowly st started to see that build and uh, to go from what that team was um, to be this perennial 51 team. And it definitely does bother me when people kind of reject that that was like a very good team and they're like oh this is mediocrity it was like man that era Ridiculous. like we defined <laughs> what yeah. mediocrity is then well they look at that mediocre 56 win team that then won 51 and then 59 games and back to like get over it man like get a yeah. grip uh <laughs> and so yeah did demar have his flaws and sure but he also if you remember the demar that came into the league that mm -hmm. didn't really uh, wasn't really able to handle the ball that only scored off like you know slashes cuts you know that uh, seemed below sunny weems in the future prospects uh <laughs> hierarchy yes <laughs> yeah and, and to become a guy that was 
literally good enough to be traded for Kawhi Leonard. That's incredible growth. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I will always maintain that um, the OVO Athletic Center should be named the DeMar DeRozan Center. <laughs> uh, because, like, what that guy stood for in terms of development, in terms of working at his craft. Um, mm -hmm. If not DeMar DeRozan, then it's got to be Pascal Siakam, right? Like, yep. you look at those two development stories, <laughs> and it's just incredible, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, th I think the world of DeMar DeRozan, I think the world of Dwayne Casey, um, it, it didn't work out. They have their flaws, uh, but you can't argue that uh, they squeezed out every bit that they could have from that era. So I'm going to pivot here for a second. We got a lot of questions here. Don't worry. I'm not going to get to the rest of them, but I have them queued up in my little StreamYard studio here. So I will get to these questions next week because guess what? There's going to be not so much to talk about next week, I'm sure. So we'll get to these to close out uh, a show or two next week. But I do want to ask you this, a little mailbag question of my own. Is Dwayne Casey the best coach in Raptors history or is Nick Nurse? Does the title sway it enough? I, th I think... You know, I've stumped this, you. He, this he, comes he. back. It's it's a similar <laughs> it's a similar conversation to like if you were to say is Kawhi the best player in Raptors history, and it's like, well, right. the longevity isn't there, right? So yeah. it's like, hey, does Nick Nurse really have the longevity? Um, and so I can see, like, I definitely wouldn't have an issue with anyone saying that Dwayne Casey is, you know, the great greatest coach uh, in Raptors history. Mm -hmm. um, I just think Nick Nurse is someone who has to coach like a very specific team of veterans that are built to win. Um, mm -hmm. And, and yeah, once that kind of phased out, we, he kind of got found out a bit. And so, uh, yeah, it, we'll never know that. What if, if like Dwayne Casey gets the chance um, mm -hmm. to coach Kawhi Leonard and whatnot. Um, there's obviously things that we saw in the past where with his like lack of adjustments, um, mm -hmm that would suggest that he wouldn't have done the things that Nick Nurse did. And so uh, easiest way I'll put it is this 82 games. Give me Dwayne Casey 16 <laughs> games. Give me Nick Nurse <laughs> coward sitting on the fence. Uh, no, I, I think this one we might need more distance from honestly, because right now I'm like, it's Dwayne, obviously he's the best and no one hated him by the end. It was great. Uh, but yeah, that standing ovation. He got his first game back was mm -hmm. amazing. Pretty telling. Him and um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think with uh, with Nick, obviously, I think the high is obviously bigger. The tactician stuff. I, I, I don't know if I see Dwayne Casey rolling out a box and one against Steph Curry in the finals, for example. Um, that said, you know, I think the other major adjustment that Nick Nurse made during that playoff run was going with the two big lineup of Serge Ibaka yep. and Marc Gasol against the Sixers. And in fairness to Dwayne Casey, he once ran Bismack Biombo and Jonas Valanciunas together in a playoff series against the Cavs. So maybe the two big lineup would have been there for him. Um, not to not to call out Dwayne's most hilarious decision ever, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a good case for both guys. I think I, I'm just growing to appreciate more and more how good a coach Dwayne Casey was and the way he kind of built this infrastructure that was conducive to development that Nick Nurse never really did. Um, so maybe it's a, it's a choose your flavor type of thing, but I think it's an inter interesting question, which is why I closed it out with that question uh, from, my, uh, from my own to finish off this mailbag. We're going to wrap it there. Big V, thanks so much, man. Lovely hanging. Uh, good, good, good question answering today, man. Well done. Good work in the office. Uh, you got anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Just the usual, usual stuff, uh, raptors.com. Um, I'll be tweeting some 
uh, FIFA World Cup, uh, women's FIFA World Cup stuff. Hell yeah. Following along and obviously just rooting for the women. It'd be amazing. You know, this is, I would like to think, or not like to think, but it seems very likely that this would be Christine Sinclair's last World Cup. So <laughs> I hope uh, it is for her sake. She's She deserves a rest. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be amazing if they can finish off on a bang. Obviously, she's got the Olympic gold in the bag. So it's not like uh, that as much of a deal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it would be amazing to, for her to win a World Cup. It'd be amazing for the team <laughs> as a whole to win the World Cup and for Hell this yeah. country. So uh, rooting for that. And yeah, go Canada. Canada, Nigeria tonight, 10.30? Baby. Yep. Any excuse to uh, get real drunk and watch soccer at 10 o'clock? I guess it's a time where you just get real drunk anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk to me when there's a 6 a.m. game, baby. All right, we will leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to all the great questions that came in or the listeners who sent in the great questions. We're not thanking the questions themselves. That would be weird. Uh, you can go and subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. Jump in the Discord. The link is in the description. Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. And we'll be back again tomorrow with Mike Pina of The Ringer to talk about Damian Lillard and why the Raptors should trade everything to get this dude or why he thinks that. Uh, we'll get to all of that tomorrow. Thank you so much for hanging. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.